welcome to Tonight Movie. We are your hosts, Ben and Sarah Turner. And today we are going to be talking about the movie Beetlejuice, directed by the one and only Tim Burton. Uh, ben, take us away with the plot, please. So, uh, it came out in 1988. It's a horror comedy. Um, a young couple, Barbara and Adam Maitland, live in, in, the country, in the countryside of Connecticut in a town called Winter River. While driving back from town, Barbara and Adam get in a fatal car accident that kills them. They find out that they are now ghosts. Cannot leave their home without stepping into limbo or to see their caseworker uh, in the afterlife, Juno. Unknowing to them, their cousin Jane sells the Maitland, Maitland's house to the Dietz family. I'm thinking they're dead. Well, they are dead. <laughs> uh, in which Barbara and Adam attempt to uh, scare them out but keep failing. Through their failures, they call upon a bio-exorcist named called Beetlejuice, who creates chaos for both the Maitlands and the Dietzes. Now, this is possibly one of my favorite movies to watch during the Halloween time, because it feels like one of the only times you can watch this movie, at least personally to me. It's like Christmas movies. I can only watch them around the Christmas time. Beetlejuice is one of those to where I can only watch around, like, fall between the times of, like, September 1st and October 31st because it's horror, fantasy, comedy, and I'm also very much anti-horror. I will not watch a horror movie for the life of me. This is probably the closest I will get because it's how it was made, and I think Tim Burton, he wanted the visual effects to be cheap looking and so it's not as terrifying as one would see so i would consider would you consider this a family movie uh, maybe i don't know there's only like two jump scares yeah um i mean there's definitely adult themes in there but i'm not 100 percent sure i mean there's adult themes if you look yeah. hard enough in a lot of old disney movies so mm-hmm. yeah, it can it definitely can be very perverse especially beetlejuice like himself michael keaton's character he plays the bio exorcist beetlejuice and I didn't realize how raunchy the movie was, or can be. I always kind of forget, like, oh, this is kind of like a good, fairly friendly movie. And then once Beetlejuice comes about, and for, like we first actually meet him with Barbara and Adam, like, oh, he's a very raunchy person, tr- touching Barbara, Maitland, and or like trying to in certain ways. It's like, oh, hello. This is definitely one of Michael Keaton's better roles. I really liked mm-hmm. him in this movie. Um, the other movie. Because mostly this era, I'd seen him. The only other movie I'd seen him in was Batman, uh, 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, also directed by Tim Burton and came out a year after this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we had the dearth of needing work at all, pretty much, until mm-hmm. uh, Birdman in 2014. Um, and I th- and I, watching uh, watching this movie and then comparing it to Birdman, it was really interesting to see how he... Uh, because Birdman, he's half actually like Batman from 1989 and half Beetlejuice from 1988. Because uh, he's he's a he's a former superhero star who's mm-hmm. going on Broadway and slowly going crazy. So there's there is a little bit of a Beetle, Beetlejuice in that performance, and it uh, goes to show the <laughs> the breadth of acting ability that Michael Keaton has. Don't hate me. I have not seen Birdman. Oh, it's a good movie. You should watch it. And yeah, I know you have it. Ben has a very much an array of interesting movies, per se. All of our, I would call esoteric slash foreign films, are Ben's picks. But I'm very interested to see them because we have, like, we'll get like, into our diff- like, different Russian movies, a French movie at one point, which I'm excited about. 
Um, anyways, I think this was, I think this was the first time, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Tim Burton and Michael T- Keaton worked together. Because I believe that Tim Burton hadn't seen any of Michael Keaton's work, or he did. If he did, it was very limited. And so he was kind of like, all right, let's give this guy a shot. He was convinced to bring it in. And then later on, he cast, like, Winona Ryder, um, Catherine O'Hara. But um, apparently for a lot of the other actors, it would took him a bit to con- – it took Tim Burton a little bit to convince them to hop on because of the script and the entire storyline. Mm-hmm. Because apparently the original script was a lot darker than the movie. Because at one point you had Beetlejuice as a demon, like a full-blown winged demon. And other things that I don't think I should probably say. Because I like to kind of keep this like somewhat family-friendly. And you can look on Wikipedia to see what else part of the original script. Oh. Like, Barbara's arm apparently was supposed to be crushed at first when they first crashed. And apparently a lot more graphic. Visually Mm, graphic. And... It's a little more Tim Burton, yeah. (laughs) Yeah! Well, Tim Burton, I don't think, originally wrote the script. It kind of came on... It was brought to him Mm. by a man who I can't think of the name of at the moment. Um, His last name was McDowell. But they brought him... But he brought it to him. And and Tim Burton's like, okay, let's try to do something. Warner Bros. Uh, said, all right, let's try to make something work. Made it work. They toned down a lot of things. They brought in Warren Scarin to help tone things down. And hence, got the movie Beelges. Mm-hmm. And then brought in Tim Burton's uh, lovely mind and the way he works. And here we go. Yeah. So what do you think of the script? Itself. I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked how it wasn't um, there was no fat on it, which was really nice. Yes, uh, there, it wasn't <laughs> wasn't complicated. It was straightforward to the point. Uh, it's something that's it's a fun movie that you don't really see very much. Definitely not nowadays. Um, and you didn't have to you didn't have to think too hard when watching it, which is something I really appreciate. Oh especially, I mean, they had a pretty limited budget. They had a pretty limited time frame, so it was kind of one of those things they couldn't afford to put much put airs on so to speak and since they were using relatively unknowns at the time because Winona Ryder hadn't done anything she was definitely not as famous as she is now mm-hmm. back then and same with Michael Keaton um, I think Jeffrey Jones was the only one who was even remotely had any fame attached to him and that was because he was fresh off Ferris Bueller this is um, true yeah mm-hmm. um, maybe Gina Davis I don't know I was not alive in 1988 so <laughs> I don't know Gina, well also Gina Alex Davis Baldwin was. Oh, Alex Baldwin well, no, yeah. was in there. I yeah. freaking forgot about him. <laughs> he played Adam uh, Maitland. Although I'm not, I don't know uh, any work he done. He didn't. He had done in the '80s because mm-hmm. I think the earliest thing I know that he did was for October '91. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, definitely more of a uh, probably 13 plus movie. Than yeah, more I would of agree a, with that. Uh, All around family movie. What about yeah. you? What do you think? I thought the same thing. It wasn't overly complicated. It was very simple to follow. Um, I remember watching it the first time through years ago, and I was a little freaked out because I think I was also about 13, 14 years old, and it was on Netflix. And it was the first scene to where um, Barbara and Adam, like, they tried to scare out the Dietz family to where have um, their interior, the interior de- designer, Otho, comes in, who... Otho is a very interesting character. <laughs> 
Um, and him and Mrs. Deeds Delia, that's her name. They're kind of Xing out the um, rooms that they want to go over or the closets. And you see, they go into one closet and you see Barbara. She kind of like takes off her head. And as a 13, 14 year old who was kind of sheltered at the time, uh, kind of freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> and I didn't watch it for many years after that because I stopped the movie. And then I restarted it back up again. I think I want to say maybe a year or two later, and it didn't freak me out as much. But I agree, it didn't was never overly complicated. You could you could follow it for the most part. Um, I didn't understand some things because sometimes like the play on words with Michael Keaton, uh, just because he would sometimes talk too fast. And this is coming from someone who also talks very fast, so it's like hold on, slow down. But other than that, it was simple to follow. Just kind of had to slow down a bit. On the script. One thing I also want to talk about is our one of our favorite film terms, uh, dorky morals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you notice any? Not really. It seemed like it was again pretty straightforward. They didn't really have time to uh, try and have a greater greater point to anything. This is, I I was de- I'm debating on if tor- if at the end where everything's kind of like find and dandy both families are living together in the house cohesively if that was a dorky moral hmm. like it's like oh everything is a happy ending it all works out in the end i mean it's it's i think it's, that's just a that's or just it's a just a happy, of, it's just yeah, happy it's just ending. happy ending it's just, it and, sounds like and i'm thinking too much into it <laughs> yeah uh i'd probably agree more if it was a uh, beetlejuice was like living there with them all of a sudden it changed man but no he's no. You know, in a waiting room in the afterlife <laughs> waiting for his number to be called yeah uh yeah which is like number nine, like nine million something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> At that, he's like number nine million and he switches with a guy who shrinks heads and then mm-hmm. the guy shrinks his head. At the end, but oh, I thought yeah, that was a funny that, scene. I like that. I thought that and the ending, I, the way they put in the two ending, well, they had two songs in there. Um, the ending song and I, the guy, Hen, what's his name? Henry. They had two songs in there that have be, became very well known um and what was his name his name was can't think of the guy who did it it was when they first possess i know i know you know what scene i'm talking about when they first i guess quote unquote possess the deets family at the dinner mm-hmm. you have that scene and then you have the ending scene to where all um lydia she's just kind of dancing around and she's is she really possessed in that scene i don't know but they're dancing around. I also thought that was a fun way to end the movie. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. In terms of cinematography, we touched briefly on it to where the kind of like the cheap and fake looking horror effects were purposely added in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Burton, I think it was for him to pay homage to the B movies that he grew up with. And good way to have fun with it make it family friendly do you think that was a good idea oh totally 100 percent, 100 percent. um it, it definitely made me uh because i mean it was <laughs> most horror movies when you watch them you, you kind of like roll your eyes like oh wow i can't believe someone ever found that uh, it was found that scary and it, it's usually like 10 years before it's always going to be the same thing if it's 2020 then 2010 movies are going to be dorky to you if it's 2010 it's going to be uh, 2000 movies that dorky to you mm. um and I mean, there's like some exceptions. Uh, like I think the witch is gonna age very well. Um, and I think uh, what was the other one? 
can't remember, but I know the entire plot of that movie. Um, it was, <laughs> I can uh, remember everything but the name. Yeah, it was... Uh, Keep in shoot, mind, I'll, I have not seen horror movies. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll think of it later. Um, I've seen commercials. Yeah, no, I'll think of it It'll later. It'll leave it at that. Uh, anyways, um, so... Yeah, so I think it was, in a way, it was it was future proofing the movie, and it definitely took uh, toned down the seriousness. So when they had the jump scares, it was, I mean, it was a little freaky, like oh crap, but it was mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely not a not anything that was gonna scar you and make you nervous the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was just like oh, that was kind of a fun thing that happened, kind of like a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> All right, you said what did he say? Future scare? No, future proofing. Future proofing. What do you mean by that? Oh, I've that never way, that. you know, later on, they're like, uh, oh, okay. I did, didn't, well, uh, okay. like, wow, the shark still looks fake, you know, with, with Jaws. Got it, like, yeah, with Jaws, oh my. I, didn't, I had an English teacher in high school, side note, I had an English teacher in high school who was not really obsessed with the movie's Jaws, but he would randomly bring it up every time to the point where I think when the, um, it was like either the end of the fall semester or the spring semester, we just, instead of having a final, we just watched Jaws and had like a mini party. Because he just loved the movie Jaws and, like, loved talking about it. He's like, all right, we talked about this enough. Let's, let's bring it in. But I could, yeah, the shark in that in Jaws, very, very much fake. And obviously, they also make a good point of, it's like, oh, when you think 10 years down the road, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, could have been better. And we're going to, like, nitpick. I know mm-hmm. pretty soon, like, we both love the movie Dunkirk, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, like, off off the mic and everything like that but i'm pretty sure in a couple of years we're gonna like find little things to nitpick mm-hmm. just because that's how we are mm-hmm. and that's how they age yeah yeah um yeah and it definitely made uh it made be a little just much more fun movie to watch for it it's true because i think they also like could i like, had had a lot of fun with it mm-hmm. like as you said they didn't really have much of a budget because their budget was yeah it was at fifth the budget was fifteen million, which I don't know what that computes to today's dollars, and the box office was seventy four point two million. So mm-hmm. in reality, that's not really a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, made their money back at least, so that's good. But it's like, yeah, they didn't have much to work with, and I think only about one million went to the visual effects department. Yeah, and so it wasn't much. Yeah, it w- wasn't much at all. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, how can we be creative? Well, let's do this. All right, so kind of going off that, like, just the scenes and stuff. Do we have any? Do you have any personal favorites? I mean, I really liked uh, when he opened the door and he saw the desert with the sandworm. Uh, I'm. Oh, when Adam first opens the door. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's also because the trailer for Dune just came out and it just made me uh, appreciate it a little more. I'm not sure if he was trying to like uh, poke fun at because I think David Lynch's Dune was 1984. I'm not sure if he was trying to make a reference to that or not. I don't know. I thought it was hell fun though, <laughs> especially well. Mm-hmm. Later on in the movie, the sandworm comes back up, and it's uh, pretty important. Uh, and it's it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, the banana boat song—that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was probably that will probably be my favorite scene where they like when they first possessed it. And Harry Belafonte, I re- remember the name. We got it. Um, but when they first did the banana boat song or Deo, I found that very entertaining because it's like what in the world is going on? I'm like, oh, they're they're possessing the entire family with the exception of Lydia Dietz, which is Renona Ryder's character. And it feels like they had fun. And plus just imagining Jeffrey Jones and Catherine O'Hara, just the rest of them acting out that scene. 
and acting possessed just is hysterical to me. Like, it's like, all right, Tim, Tim Burton's just like, okay, you're going to act like possessed now and everything like that. You're going to sing the Banana Boat song and, or lip sync it. There you go. <laughs> so, like, going off, like, just scenes, do you think there should have been any that could have been taken out? Should have been taken no, out? No, the script had a, uh, it was pretty skinny and I liked it that way. Um, again, no fat on it. Um, yeah, I... No, not really. I mean, I thought it was pretty good end to end. Well, in regards to, I mean, obviously, you know, there's times where execution could be better, but in regards to structure, no, I don't think anything should be taken out. All right. I think it kind of goes back to when we were talking about Hail Caesar a couple of weeks ago. It's like you could take one out, but then it would alter the Your entire. The yeah, it would alter the perception. The entire plot and how everything works and i suppose suppose that goes for all movies but i feel like with some films it's like all right you can this scene was unnecessary Mm -hmm. but we'll get into that at a different point but it's like some things i think like could have been added in there like 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 beetlejuice creating the can i can i say whorehouse am i allowed to say yeah (laughs) i already said it um or cat house like in the miniature town like i thought that was maybe unnecessary because I, I just didn't really see the oh f- it was funny i like <laughs> it, like if it was meant for comedic purposes okay well when i was like when i was a kid i like didn't know what it was mm-hmm. um and it's one of those things it's like with a lot of family movies where the the subtext is more adult than you realize um and as a kid like i didn't recognize it at all and all like oh that's that's pretty hilarious <laughs> yeah so if it's meant for comedic purposes just for fun yeah um, but if it was meant to somehow add some weird underlying thing to the plot, then I'm like, was that necessary? I'm not entirely sure. But I'm also trying to figure out, I thought that only Adam was able, because he created the miniature town, maybe like he could add it in there, but also Beetlejuice is Beetlejuice. He can probably do anything that he wants or create anything that he wants. Mm-hmm. It's a come alive yeah. or be someone, someone has to say his name. Mm-hmm. Which, going off, I just thought of something. What Can Beetlejuice not say his own name? Because... Uh, I don't know. Did he say it at all? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking... I don't think he did. Because he tried to get Lydia to say it. Like, the first time. And they had to do, like, a whole charades thing. And he's just like, oh, I can't really tell you my name, but let's play charades. And you can guess oh, my yeah, name. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like... I guess he can't. I know I get, maybe it's like a... Because I think it's... That's, an, that's an supposed to be question. based off Bloody Mary or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if in that urban legend or legend or whatever, she can say her name, so... So, one of an unanswered question that probably yeah. will never get answered. Mm-hmm. And if it does, then if we meet Tim Burton one day, we'd be like, all right, what what does this mean? <laughs> yeah. All right, just kind of moving into the characters themselves... What did we think of them as a whole, like the cast itself? I mean, Michael Keaton's uh, in Beetlejuice, it, his name's not only on the cover, it's uh, at his face. It, he just obviously stole every single scene. It was everyone else was a support character to him at this point. Um, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of, uh, as, as great as the other actors are, like, they didn't, I don't, I don't think they held a candle to him at all. Uh, so it was, it's a little hard to uh, look at this as an ensemble. Um <laughs> Or look at anyone other than Beetlejuice as the protagonist, even though it's supposed to be about Alec Baldwin and uh, 
Gina Davis. Gina Davis. There we go. And a little, and a little bit of Winona Ryder and everything. That, that is, that is a good point because it's like with what's why can't I think of the film? I think it's like with Pirates of the Caribbean and Johnny Depp, to where even though the first three movies is meant to focus on like Will Turner, Elizabeth Swan, and Captain Jack Sparrow. Every and that's it's supposed to be like circled on those main three. It always ends up just mostly, at least um, yeah, he's being a flagship about, uh, car- breakout character. Yeah, there we go. It's meant um, it's always send people just always gravitate towards. So mm-hmm. and everything one else seems like the supporting character. So, so yeah, I can I can see that where Beetlejuice is the quote unquote like main character or protagonist, despite the fact that like he needs to, he wants to like marry Lydia at the end, which. It's weird to me, but then when you think about it, it's like, okay, his reasoning for it, which so he right. could be, I guess, like, come alive. Was his reasoning to for him to come alive? Yeah, I don't want okay. to wait in line in the afterlife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> want to wait in line in the afterlife, try to figure things out. What did you think of Otho, the interior designer? He was just okay. I didn't really think much of him, I'm going to be honest. He never mm-hmm. really stood out to me on screen. I, I can agree with that. I think I think they try to make him the standard, like, posh person. But I felt, same with um, Delia Dietz, um, the wife. They try to make him, like, very posh and, like, huh. And in reality, it's like, no, they didn't really, they didn't really do much to stand out. And they're just kind of average. But maybe that was the point. Mm-hmm. Was for them to be, overall, at the un- end of the day, being average because i think it was um because delia she's what she like, a self-proclaimed artist mm-hmm. um even though her own manager said her sculptures aren't good and he and she does not make any money for him mm-hmm. so maybe they're meant it's meant to be like you're nothing special right so maybe maybe that could be it i'm not entirely sure so what about winona Ryder? how do you think she did as lydia I mean, she was fine. Again, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's you still rest your case. Yeah, yeah, I still rest my case. Uh, she was good. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't think she. Held, I. It was definitely one of her early performances. I don't think she held a candle to her, the stuff she ended up doing in the nineties. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think she was bad. Yeah, I think this was one to catch up on my Winona Ryder um, filmography. I don't know if this was before or after she did the Heather's. Because she was in the Heathers. It was, I think it was before. Because so, I think the Heathers was... I think the Heather was... Heathers, I think, was in the 1980s. I just don't remember when. Oh, maybe not. I mean, she plays a 14-year-old, so... This is true. This is yeah, true. Yeah, 1988, so I don't know. It's going to be like ladies. And then you have Jeffrey Jones, um, who... If you've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's Principal Rooney. Yeah. Who... Actually, I think he actually did pretty good. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I just want to relax. Well, at first, mm-hmm. he just wants to relax, and then he wants to turn the house into kind of like a like it's a theme park of sorts mm-hmm. like a ride show mm-hmm. like basically i don't want to say a haunted mansion but yeah haunted I mean, mansion, wants, if, you want, yeah. if you want to call it that mm-hmm. yeah yeah jeffrey jones always had some solid performances mm-hmm. um especially back then he did it was that it was ferris bueller what else did he do those are the only ones i've seen him in oh he was in hunt for the october speaking of alec baldwin um really yeah, he was the submarine uh, guy who broke his leg. It was he's only in there for like five okay. minutes. Um, Very small appearance. Yeah, yeah. So and then 
I thought Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, their um, hus- as husband and wife, I think the chemistry actually worked very well. Mm-hmm. It did nothing really seemed terribly forced, and so and very organic. And we're like, okay, yes, they are a young couple in love. Mm-hmm. And I've never been a huge fan of Alec Baldwin's work because I saw him a little bit on Thirty Rock. Yeah, he was on Thirty Rock, and I wasn't like terribly enamored. I've never really been ter- terribly enamored by Alec Baldwin and his just acting stuff, but I did think he did pretty well here. Mm-hmm. Um, any, were all of them crucial to the overall plot? Uh, yeah, all the main ones, I definitely would say that. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have, I think side characters, they just kind of came, came, came and went, went as they needed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like I said said earlier, it was a skinny script, and that, and that played in its mm-hmm. favor. And... Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. he was the overall holy, holy grail. Mm-hmm. What'd you call holy, holy grail? The staple point, mm-hmm. that's a better word. Breakout character, yeah. Of the entire movie, and it was, yeah, it was before he did Batman. And so I think that also kind of started the relationship between Michael Keaton and Tim Burton for them to make the glorious, great 1990s Batman. 1989, yeah. 1989. With Jack Nicholson. Oh. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Grew up on that one. And I, I think that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add on the no, good old Beetlejuice? No, it was definitely a fun movie. I <laughs> would highly recommend it mm-hmm. for someone who just wants to burn an hour and a half. Yeah, bur- yeah, it's a good movie to burn for an hour and a half. Um, family movie? Yeah, I think like you said, 13 and up, probably a good one just because of underlining sexual connotations. Um, yeah. That's all I got. Thank you for joining us on the Tonight Movie. We will see you next week, and we are going to be talking about Les Samurai.